Well, good morning. I'm so glad that you came up here because God's Word has something to say to you, whether you're younger or older. God's Word says this, and in my sermon, I'm going to be talking about, about questions that only God can answer. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says this. It says, For in Him that is in God and His Word, you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all kinds of knowledge. Now, we're going to talk about what that means. God has enriched you with knowledge. I bet that you have questions every day. What questions do you have? Well, you might ask questions like, why is the sky blue? Or it's going to be kind of warm today and things are going to melt and we might just be able to see here in Minnesota the tops of grass and you're going to say, hey, why is grass green? Well, I bet you have all kinds of questions and when you have questions, I hope you ask them and who who do you ask when you have questions? Mom, yeah, that's a good idea. Ask mom or ask dad or grandma and grandpa. I hope whenever you have a question that you ask someone and you never stop learning. Always ask questions because you'd be surprised. That's the only way you can learn. It's the only way I learn. I have to keep on asking everybody's name so I can keep learning their name. Okay, well, when you ask a question, you ask mom and dad or grandma and grandpa and they give you an answer, right? And, and how do you know it's the right answer? Because it's the truth, isn't it? And you know that mom or dad or grandma and grandpa are always going to tell the truth, right? Okay, that's why it's so important for us to tell the truth to each other. Because we know that they love us. And we know that they would never tell any lies to us. And you know what? You can always trust mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. But you know what? When there are some questions that moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas can't answer. And that's why we need to go to God. And we need to go to God in his word. And the Bible says that we can go to God's word because he always tells us the truth, right? It's impossible for God to do something. Have you ever heard that before? It's impossible for God to lie. It's just as impossible for God to lie as for any of you to kiss the end of your elbow. Can any of you kiss the end of your own elbow? Can you try it? Let's try it right now. Can you do it? Can you kiss or lick the end of your elbow? Can you do it? You can't do that? Well, can any of you kiss the end of your own elbow? You know what? They're not doing it now, but on the way home, they're all going to be doing it. (laughs) You know what? They can't do it either. Nobody can, because we're not wired to do that. Well, just like you can't lick or kiss the end of your own elbow, God can never lie to you. And that's important to know. What God says in the Bible, God wants us to do. And he also wants to trust that he loves us so much that he sent us Jesus to be our Savior. Always believe him. Always follow him. Let's ask God to help us follow him a little closer, okay? We pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for giving us your truth in the Holy Bible. Help us not just know that truth, but help us open our Bibles up and learn. And never stop learning. Never stop asking you questions and trusting your answers. Be with us and bless us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard a preacher say that? 
Did you ever wonder where we get that line from? It's right from the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5, right part of our sermon reading. But the good news of the Bible is that God's grace and mercy are with us only because of Jesus our Savior. God's word for our sermon today is recorded for us in the gospel of, of excuse me, the, the epistle lesson of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in the following words because we're going to consider only questions that God can answer. The Bible says this, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in God's family, asking good questions, and you'll learn a lot about life. I, I talked about that in my children's message just moments ago. And think about who asks good questions. For my money, I think four-year-olds ask the best questions of all. Questions like we asked before. Why is the sky blue? Why is grass green? Why is it so cold here in Minnesota? And how can it be like a summer day in February? Or what good are mosquitoes? I have to be honest, my four-year-old friends, I don't have a good answer for that one. Sometimes we ask questions to learn, and sometimes people use questions to use humor, like this. How do you catch a unique rabbit? Unique up on him. How do you catch a tame rabbit? Tame way. Okay, you're paying attention, just wanted to make sure. Kids ask questions in school, and I pray kids never get tired of asking questions. I pray we never get arrogant to think, well, we know everything. We're, we're always learning. But adults and grown-ups also ask questions. I bet kids don't realize that. As grown-ups, we need to learn too. We ask questions about, well, how do we prepare our taxes? How do we use our smartphone? When my wife and I got locked out of our social media accounts yesterday, believe me when I say we ask plenty of questions, but really the question is, where do we go for the answers? Well, we can search Google. That's got the answers, right? We can ask moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, because we want to rely on their experience and knowledge. We can even try to go it alone in life, thinking we know everything. But just make sure that your information is correct. Maybe that's why we need the Apostle Paul to give us inside information 
that's absolutely accurate and absolutely relevant. The reason I say that is because Paul's source is God himself. And so today, we're going to be considering questions that only God can answer. On the basis of our Bible reading today, this is no joke. We're going to be asking ourselves these questions, and sooner or later, every one of us has to answer this question. These questions, even though we may not verbalize it out loud, the way we live and the way we hope and the way we expect to see eternity is really getting the answers to these questions. And the first one is this, who am I? Secondly, why am I here? Finally, where am I going? Who am I? Am I just here by accident? Or am I here by a divine design? Why am I here? In other words, my purpose in life. Am I here just to make money? Am I here just to get all the experiences that I can? Or does my life have a higher purpose? And finally, where are we going when we die? Heaven? Hell? Stop existing? Well, in our sermon reading, the Apostle Paul gives us answers that truly are correct. They're also timeless. They're giving us our identity, our purpose, and our eternity. Because it's usually at those milestone moments that we ask important questions too, right? At graduation, and some of you are going to be graduating in just a couple weeks, and someone's going to come up to you and say, what are you going to do with that degree that you worked so hard for? What do you want to be when you grow up? Or when we hear about a young lady or a young man getting engaged, and we wonder to ourselves, will they actually say, I do? And then the final question is really when death stares us coldly in the face. And when that happens, we ask that question, what will happen next? Well, to help us understand that, we turn to God's Word. And in God's Word, there's something special about how St. Paul opens our Bible ring. There seems to be an edge the way Paul is talking. Yes, this is the way most of the New Testament epistle lessons begin, but there seems to be something behind Paul's words. Paul states up front why he's qualified to speak the truth and to explain to the Corinthian Christians who they are. Like an FBI agent flashing the credentials, that's what the Apostle Paul is doing. He's flashing his credentials to them and to us. Why is he qualified to give us our identity? Our Bible reading begins this way. He says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So why did Paul begin this way? He wasn't just introducing himself to them to make a point. Paul had a deep care for the Corinthian congregation. And I think you know why. He helped start this congregation and had spent some significant time there. He loved these people, much like pastors love their congregations. But there were also among the members of this church, church members, and I don't know how to say it any nicer than this, they had some run-ins with Paul. They didn't particularly like what Paul had to say, and they disrespected him in his pastoral office. That's why the, what they had the attitude of, Paul, we don't really care for what you have to say, and we're not, we are not only going to dismiss you, we're going to find a pastor who we can really listen to. But Paul, in a gentle but a direct way, was simply telling them why he was qualified to be able to tell these Christians who they were. 
Paul was no spiritual suck-up, preaching political pockycock, or syrupy good-time religion. Jesus Christ himself had called Paul to ministry. And now, who was Paul? He was God's apostle, sent out and qualified to explain to these Corinthian Christians who they are. Immediately, he explains their identity this way. He says to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. Paul isn't buttering these people up. Remember, he's talking to people who liked him and didn't like him so much. He boldly proclaimed who they were to God and to him. They were believers, are God's sanctified people. Well, first of all, believers are justified. We're justified or declared innocent. Not because of what we do, remember, God gets all the credit. We're only declared innocent because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Jesus is our Savior. He was willing to take the punishment in our place to make us right with God. And now, we're through baptism, we're sanctified. Sanctified is just another fancy word, meaning we're made holy. We're made like Jesus. And when God looks us, he sees Jesus. That should just blow your mind thinking about it. We're also called to live as God's holy people. So God has given us our Christian identity. That's who the Corinthians are, and that's who we are. The bottom line is we're God's saved and sanctified people. But there's something else to our identity. We're not just here alone. Paul says, who am I? Well, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. These words tell us we're not alone. God has joined us together with others. Think about that. We've come together as a church. And the people that maybe you're sitting with, you're sitting in front of them behind. You may not know them very well, but as believers, we're together. We, have, we find our identity in the Christian church, and we're joined together with other people. The bottom line is this. Who we are is not determined by our job. Are we pastors, teachers, workers in the community? Is that just who we are? Your job is what defines you? Please don't let the devil let you con you into thinking that. Who we are does not depend on how many likes we have on social media or our performance in sports or in the arts. Who we are is defined by God and what he's done for us. We can so easily forget that. Maybe I can compare it to The Lion King, the Disney classic. Maybe you saw it old school on VHS or DVD, or maybe on the Disney Channel, or maybe you even saw it live. Well, if you didn't see this, you're still part of this sermon. In The Lion King, this, the lion cub Simba runs away from home. He's carrying baggage from past mistakes, and he comes face to face with a wise old baboon named Rafiki. And there's a point in that film where Rafiki wraps him on the head and says, you don't even know who you are. Simba forgot who he was, and that's why he couldn't answer why he was here and where he was going. Well, if you and I can't answer this identi our identity question, who we are, we're never gonna have a purpose and we're never gonna have an eternity. Who we are determines how we act, how we live, and where we're going. 
we're not here by accident, by evolutionary chance. We're here because God designed us to be here. God put you in the family you have for a reason. God put you in the congregation where you're at to be able to serve him. And God also brought us together right now at this time in the history of the world. Yes, we're here because of God, as God's sanctified people. This is a question only God can answer, so remember who you are. But that leads us to the next question. It's a question of purpose. Why am I here? Well, Paul answers it this way. He says, for in him that is in God, you've been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. In a very kind way, Paul points to them why they were in Corinth. God put them there and blessed them to use their spiritual gifts. They were enriched in every way. This was a capable congregation with a ton of God-given ability. But somewhere along the way, they lost their Christian purpose and forgot to put their Christian gifts into use. I've only been your pastor here for a couple of months. But as I've observed the leaders here in our church, the structure, the people that are serving behind the scenes or on the front lines, or even right here in the congregation, this congregation is a blessed congregation with a ton of Christian ability. But sometimes we forget to use those Christian abilities, not just to take care of ourselves and our family, but to serve in a wider way. Think of it this way. Uh, Mother Camel is talking to her little boy camel. That's, I know the picture is kind of small, but that's what that is, a camel at the top of the page. And of course, the little boy camel had all kinds of questions. He said, Mom, why do camels have these huge three-toed feet? Well, the mother explained. The reason that camels have these three-toed feet so that when we're going on long treks on the desert, we stay stable and we don't fall down in the soft sand. Oh, okay. But the boy, of course, had more questions that said, Mom, why do, I, why do camels have these long eyelashes? And the mom said, oh, that's easy. When we take our long trips in the desert, the, the eyelashes keep all the sand that's blowing for days and weeks out of our eyes so we can see. That made sense. And then the, the little boy asked, but mama, why do camels have these big humps on our back? Well, the mom's getting kind of impatient with all these questions and says, son, camels have humps so that we can go long distances without having to stop to drink. So the boy said, let me sum up. We have big-toed feet so we can track across the long desert. We have long eyelashes so that we can see where we're going on these long trips. And we have big humps so we can go for days without water. But mom, why are we in the San Diego Zoo? Here's my point. We're not trapped in a San Diego Zoo. We're free. We're free to use the gifts that God has given us. But why are we here? We're, not, we're here not to make ourselves more comfortable. We're not here to massage the saints and just have an easy life. Oh no, our Christian mission is to proclaim Christ. That's not just for the pastors and teachers and for the leaders of St. Paul's to do. That's for every single one of us. So how are we using our gifts? You and I have so many opportunities to do that. 
right in the bulletin today, you and I have the opportunity to go to many different Bible studies here at St. Paul's, plug in to learn more about God's grace for you. You and I have the opportunity, Jesus has freed us to open our our bulletin announcements today and just take at the long list of all the ministries. I'm not here to guilt you. I'm here to love you, to tell you about Jesus' love and tell you you're wanted and needed to serve in the kingdom of God. How important it is to know that you and I have a mission. And what are we doing here? Well, that's a question only God can answer. We're here to put into practice the spiritual gifts that we've been given. Well, finally, I'd like to ask you, do you believe in destiny? Do you believe that the events of eternity are predetermined to work out for our good? In one sense, Christians should believe this kind of destiny because every single one of us is destined to come face to face with God himself. Our world is hurtling towards judgment day. And this isn't a threat, this is a promise. But as Christians, are you nervous about that? Oh, please don't be. This isn't something terrifying, this is something awesome. Paul tells us what we have to look forward to at the end of time. And that's what he was saying in these words. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. As people who are rock solid about our identity, we're God saved and sanctified people. We've got a purpose now to serve and share Jesus with others. But now we also have to remember, where are we going? We're going to heaven. I don't know what home you left this morning. Maybe it was your house you've lived in for years. Maybe it's your apartment. Or maybe it's your dorm room. We're not always going to live in that place. Our time here on earth is so temporary, and it's shorter than we think. But what do we have to look forward to? God does not hide this from us. When we close our eyes in death as believers in Jesus, God says we open them immediately in heaven. And God tells us he will keep us strong in that faith. But God also reminds us that's why you and I have a need to keep viewing these services online, to faithfully come to in-person worship and receive God's word and sacrament. May God keep us strong in that faith as we keep close to him. Finally, nine times in nine verses, St. Paul proclaims the name of Jesus. Do you know why he does this? This is the only place in the Bible where that happens. When life gets tough, and it will. When you and I get tired, not from traveling through the desert, but sometimes when we feel like we're in God's zoo, and we wonder, is all this Christianity worth it? Remember the name Jesus. Only Jesus gives us our identity. Only Jesus gives us our purpose. And only Jesus gives us our eternity. There's no question about that. Amen. For our stewardship thought today, we'd use uh, that question of purpose. Why are we here? So often when we serve as God's people here and we serve others, we kind of forget why we do that. What I mean is this, sometimes we serve other people and we think we're serving them and they don't give us the reaction we're looking for and we can so easily quit. We think we're serving that person or we think we're serving that place. We, we give our, our offerings here, but we think about giving to St. Paul's offering, and when there's a decision that's made that well, we don't exactly maybe agree with, because it could have gone either way, 
And we just stopped giving because, well, we didn't like that, my friends. Stop giving, stop serving a person and stop giving to a place. Instead, serve Jesus and serve whoever Jesus brings to us this week and love them the way he does. Give generously here at St. Paul so that we can continue to be able to serve God. We're not giving to a place or serving a person. We're giving to Jesus and we're serving him. Why? Because he loved us first. That's the motivation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us the opportunity to serve you and to share you. Help us always do that generously and willingly, remembering we're not just serving here on earth. We're serving you every single day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.